Welcome! This is a special episode from Fitter Cappuccino at the Moneypot booth at Money 2020 Europe. Not your regular cup of coffee, to say the least. This podcast show is hosted by Connie Dorstein, a well-known advisor, moderator and fintech entrepreneur, and Brian van Wachem, CEO of RedSnap. Today, we have two guests who will go beyond borders. Dave Birch, an author, board-level advisor, and commentator on digital financial services, a recognized thought leader, keynote speaker, and Forbes contributor. Anything digital, crypto, and identity is David's domain. He's being challenged by Effie Pilani, global influencer on fintech and anything disruptive. She's an independent advisor on fintech, blockchain, with a PhD in finance, a seasoned Wall Street professional who ranks number three influencer in the finance sector and a number one woman influencer. Effie and David will think and talk and challenge in the next podcast. Sit tight. So Effie, Dave, welcome to uh, Finta Cappuccino. Uh, Hello. So, um, first of all, um, you're both well-known, you're both influencer. Why are you here at Money 2020 in Amsterdam this year? Well, actually, I, I'm here with the, the consulting company, Consult Hyperion. I'm a, a director of the company, but I help found it. <laughs> and for us, you know, Money 2020 is one of the big opportunities to connect with our clients and, you know, and meet new people. So, so you know, I'm here with my consulting hat on and looking at what kind of things are coming for our clients, which is mainly in the banking payments. Okay, how are you, Effie? You know, you won't believe it, it's my first money 2020 ever. You're kidding me. And I I think I've had the bias that um, it was too dominated with consumer banking innovation. And um, that's not been my cup of tea just because of my background. I'm more, you know, interested in understanding capital markets, wealth management, and and those types of uh, sectors and and the innovations uh, globally. And, uh, you know, I also think that I've had an adversity to huge events in the past. I think I've attended only one cyber and, and, and that's it. So, yeah. So why did I come now? Yeah. Of course, because I was, you know, uh, in prison, if you want. <laughs> yes. And I was very curious to see whether the atmosphere would be different. You know, payments, okay, of course, remain core to, to the economy no matter what. Yeah. No matter what digitalization, no matter what is decided about redefining money, payments are core to economic activity, period. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to get the sense of, you know, are they infected? Is this crowd infected? And I mean, both from the panels and, and, and the audience. And the audience. So. It's interesting. And, and you know, for our, for our uh, listeners, you can't see them, but you know, Effie's got a spark in her eye and uh, David always has, but uh, there is definitely some excitement. But here I'm gonna put some stuff on the table. You're both great thinkers. And I think we live in a time of opinion makers, people who just have an opinion on something. And I'm gonna ask you, because you're thinkers, to sort of give us some wisdom as well and educate us a little bit. 
Because facts still matter to me. It's easy to have an opinion. People say to me, do you believe in blockchain? Well, it's irrelevant. It exists, you know. So, um, let's talk about some, some facts and some information first. So we want to tackle two sort of bigger topics, with one particularly in this podcast, because we're here at Money 2020. It's the space where people think about the future, about payments, and normally it's the meeting place of the established in the new world, right? the banks and the regulators and the fintechs and the money. Uh, this time the banks are nearly absent. And the interesting thing is the debate still goes on, the dialogue goes on. The big techs are here, the fintechs are here, the regulators are here, the money is here. Um, so I think they need to stay at the table, it's their choice. Of course it has a different reason now, but it's almost an ominous thing. Coming to the point, if we go to two topics that will bridge the old and the new world, crypto. Everybody talks about crypto, and then when I talk about crypto with established banks, they say, well, we're very interested to see what central banks will do. So let's throw the topic of CBDC on the table, central bank digital currency. First of all, Dave, educate me. Does that have anything to do with crypto at all, or is it just non-printed money? And then I would like you both, and I'm going to shut up, both uh, respond to it and say, well, these are the plans of the EBC, uh, the ECB, sorry, and this is what we see in England, this is what we see in China. Educate us a little just, just to go back to your first point uh, about, your, I mean, you're right, a lot of the banks aren't here. It's got, probably got to be more with corporate travel policies than. Uh, I know anything else. But, but you're right, it is interesting the debate goes on. For a lot of the people here, because we're now moving into an era of open banking and interconnection, so for a lot of the people here, they they don't really see the banks as anything other than these sort of pipes for moving money. I mean, they're not looking to the banks for innovation. They're just looking to the banks for utility service. So that's why it doesn't really matter to them. And, and also because of open banking, there's nothing the banks can do about it. And and I think, you know, in in perhaps a few years ago, you know, there was a kind of fad, you know, the banks would have their sort of fintech accelerators. I feel we've sort of gone past that in the open banking. So so to your point, you're right, the debate has gone on. But I think there's a logic to that because, you know, do we really care what ING thinks about things? We just want them to provide a good API and then go away. So the point about cryptocurrency, I think we might have slightly different views about this, but I couldn't help but notice that this week The Economist uh, talking about DeFi, The Economist said that Bitcoin, I think I'm using the right word, was irrelevant. Uh, and you see the stockpiles of like Bitcoin building at the moment. Well, it was irrelevant because it was proving the technology. Well, what, what they're saying is that the real innovation, yeah. the real change coming it's from on this the, sector, it's on the chain. the things that you're entering, the capital yeah. markets, is actually more to do with what's going on in decentralized finance and this idea of more complex structures. Because to my mind, one of the implications of decentralized finance, decentralized finance isn't, right? It's not you and I dealing with the bank. It's bots dealing with bots. Yeah. And and in fact, our software running hardware. Yeah, yeah. These are financial transactions that are going on between artificial intelligence, it's not um, And as a consequence, the instruments themselves can be far more complex. Yeah. So what DEF and people talk about is money Lego. So this idea that you can you take these money Legos and construct these complex financial instruments and these bots trade them, that 
seems to me to be more the future of finance than, than, than people speculating on Bitcoin. Well, I mean, I think that we can safely say that most of the innovation, authentic innovation, whether outside of the banks or within banks that has happened up to now, had really nothing to do with what happens behind the scenes. It was mainly about the distribution of financial yeah, services and, experience. and, and products, right? And, and, the, and the user experience. So now we are seeing a threat in terms of the manufacturing of, of you know, basic financial services. And, and you say, I don't have the data that um, these liquidity pools, the automatic um, um, uh, um, uh, market makers and so on are dominated by bots and maybe that's the case in this version of DeFi, but maybe later it is not like that and it's really democratized and decentralized. Uh, it, will that happen? It really depends on how we design these, these processes. Oh. No, I, I agree with that completely. And those those design decisions are, are really important because they constrain the kinds of markets that can and, and actually those design decisions should be made with kind of more context. So no, I agree with that. I just think if you begin to look in the sort of five year plus horizon, I I don't see any reason why there would be any transactions that, that weren't bots. It's sort, yeah. of the, it's sort of the same argument as cars, and you think about cars in the future, it's like you know, you'll have to have special permission to drive a car because people are so much worse at it than, yeah. than computers. And computers. So, you're, I mean, I'm sure in the centre of Amsterdam, in probably my lifetime, there will be a rule that says no no human-driven cars. Yes. Yeah. And it will be the same on the exchanges. So, you know, these things are so complex and so dangerous that and allowing people to trade them is crazy. Yeah, but it also has to do, I think, with an underlying thing, and this is where the great sort of timings come together, and COVID is only accelerating that, is that we do see society change. And um, we do see that the differences between, you know, haves and have-nots have increased. We do see that there's a, a, you know, a continued decrease in trust in centrally controlled bodies, because we know that they are not really to be trusted either. Even if you look in Holland, they did a poll the other day, and it was really it astonished me immensely. They asked literally every Tom, Dick and Harry in the street, do you trust banking system? And so not the fintech community, but cut through. One third said, no, we have absolutely no trust in it because there is no banking system. The system is that we, the taxpayers, end up paying for all of their mistakes. That would not have happened a few years ago. So I do see that also the whole decentralized function of redistributing wealth to the people who generate it and not necessarily to one central, centrally controlled, and whether it's a bank or a YouTube or you know an Amazon, I don't care. It's going to be the future because I think banks and big techs are very often in the same way. I think you're touching on, on many <laughs> yeah, important uh, topics, you know, the, the, 
you know, the, the monopolies uh, of, of the big tech that have created sort of uh, a bottom-up uh, movement against these uh, monopolies that have a lot of responsibility for what is going on in our society, are not taking the responsibility and, you know, what's the role of regulation. It, there's a lot of issues that we are touching yeah. on here. Which one would you love to go into deeper? I mean, I, I want to go back to, 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 to DeFi. For me, um, it, it's an early signal of um, the disruption in uh, organizations. One of the earlier concepts of a, a limited liability corporation that has come out of Wyoming and took about 10 years for other states in the U.S. to adopt, and today, of course, we think it's the most, you know, normal and yeah. standard and, you know, best thing uh, after uh, a sliced uh, bread. <laughs> um, I think that there's where I have my eye well down in whatever form, uh, you know, emerge as an organizational structure, which has to do with governance and, and holding the sword, and it goes beyond finance, it's much, much broader, and will we adopt that, because there's other social forces there, or at what brand you like. No, 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 I, I, I think you're right to say that you see this cusp where technology is forcing more. And actually, we're seeing in Amsterdam, and you, you know, we've seen this before because you, you, you go through this this pre-industrial revolution, and, and all of a sudden you have these forms that didn't exist before. Dutch East India, but the same should be English East India. You suddenly had companies, limited liability organisations, and then that spread to banks, so and we had limited liability banks. And, and will we go through that same process? You know, we move into a post-industrial society. Yep. Will we need new organizational structures? I agree with that completely. Will those organizational structures be founded on basically AI as well as people? I think that's very likely because that's the way it's going to work. Whether the DAO is a, a, the distributed economics organization is a template, though, I, I'm less sure. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unsure too, but, yeah, but, yeah. But, but we're starting to explore it. To, to think about it, to, to maybe adopt it. What does it mean to be, I don't know, an employee in a corporation and so on? So for me, that's more interesting yeah. than you know, whether you, I'm yeah. getting that, my loan from a fintech or, yeah. or yeah, why, why, a, a, a why protocol. Would you why would you care? If someone's giving me a loan, I don't care if they get do, do you think that the whole DeFi movement is as instrumental as, for instance, internet was when first it was a communication mechanism between academics and then we suddenly figured out when we got the browser, it sort of liberated a whole new movement? Do you think that, that DeFi will have the same no, the think, same thing that if we get a better user experience? I think people draw the wrong conclusions. So, so people say, like, the... the Cryptocurrency, that's where the internet was all those years ago. Well, if, that, if that's true, that's catastrophic. Because where the internet was all those years ago, it was hippie nonsense about, oh, there can be no more wars because we'll connect everybody together. And this projected utopian, which actually is very similar to, to previous. But internet did happen. 
It, it did, but it, but it didn't end wars and bring everybody together. No. Um, and what we're moving towards, too, is actually quite the opposite. We're moving towards a book, well, I would call a balkanized internet. We're, we're, we're going to have a Chinese internet and a Russian internet. Yeah. You know, we're not having this universal piece of love that we're all living in Star Trek. So, so the idea that DeFi now is going to do whatever it will happen or something, that doesn't make any sense either. But, just to go back to your point, which I, I kind of want to more of your thinking, if we have those new organisation structures, you you just said in passing, but it's something quite important. That that means new kinds of employment, new kinds of relationships between mm-hmm. people. And I, it seems to me we're very unprepared. I, I can sort of understand how that reputation economy will work. But I'm obsessed with digital identity. So so this idea. I would hire you because of your reputation, not because of your name. And your reputation yeah. becomes this crucial factor. It becomes part of your that. identity. Yeah, but what does that mean? Yeah, but, but what does hiring mean in a DAO context? I don't even know. It's not clear. I'll give, I'll give you an example. <laughs> what does hiring mean? No, no, How can you employ? I'll, I'll give you an example. Because you're making me think about the early days of the internet. So I'll give you an example from the early days of the internet. The very early days of the internet, there was a mailing list that I liked, it was about payments and And I used to like getting, it was an email, it was every week. And I liked it, and I found it very useful. And one day, a message came, the guy said, we can't afford to do this anymore, so we really need some support or something. Um, so would, you, would anybody like to support? And I thought, actually, I really like this idea. It's really useful. So I emailed him and said, well, you know, consultant here and we'll pay you know, $500 or something. And I got a message back which said, oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. But to save paperwork and administration, please could you wire the $500 directly to our ISP? Well, don't wire it to us. Can you pay our ISP? So just wire Okay. So we got the bank account and wired it to the ISP. And we carried on getting the email. It's a nice little thing at the bottom. Thank you. I had no idea whether that newsletter was produced by a person, a room full of students, yeah. a company. Uh, I, 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 I didn't care at all. All I cared about was reputation. They were producing good yeah. stuff I wanted to relate. I didn't care who they were. And that sort of made me think about Yeah. So when you say about these new kinds of... I think we see... We see some outlines of that, some shadows. So even if you don't really understand where it's going, don't you feel we have some we have some outlines? Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But what I'm hoping is that the threat of considering the possibility of Tao or you know the, the uh, sort of reversal of power structures and yeah. financial incentives that could result in this, maybe that would push us to solve the digital identity problem. Uh, why? Because in, in, a, in a down, decentralized, whatever world, if we don't solve the digital identity problem, how can we how function? Can it, 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 it work. Effie, can you just, for the benefit of the listeners, explain in, in a few lines what you mean by a DAO universe? DAO stands for a decentralized autonomous organization. Perfect. Yeah. So here there is no corporate Correct. legal structure 
there is governance through, from what we understand today, tokens, yeah. and decisions are made by the token holders. The token holders. Yeah. That is as much as you know is understood today. Uh, we have one good example, a live example, of a company that is transforming itself in front of our eyes from a normal corporation to a DAO, and that is a shape shift. It's very interesting to follow them, to see, because they have been thinking about this and they decided, you know, they, they were a text. Yeah. basically, or, or a wallet, uh, a yeah. wallet, if you want. And then they were forced, because, because of KYC uh, regulatory yeah. uh, requirements to become a sex, a centralized uh, corporation. And now they decided to dissolve and become a DAO. It's very interesting to, to listen to Eric his name correctly, the CEO, but how they've been thinking about this because it's completely uh, new. So, and, and also listening to some legal experts, how they think that this could start becoming applicable. My slight skepticism about that as an organizational model is that, um, is that basically, and I'm going to sound like I'm anti-democratic. I don't mean to sound anti-democratic. I just it's just not obvious to me that everyone should be voting. I, I understand. I'm so, a Greek. I know. So, yeah, but the whole so for this to work, the way these things work now, because they're opaque, you have no idea who is voting. You don't know whether all the votes are controlled by the same person. That has it. That has the seeds of its own problem built into. It needs something else. Now, obviously, as you've already detected, I have a very narrow perspective on this. So I think it's got something to do with digital identity, with reputation, with yep. credentials. I, I may be wrong, but that's that's my narrow focus on it. For more, me, more so than cryptocurrency. More so than cryptocurrency. I agree. Um, so you know. I think it's forcing us to, to rethink the way we are now because now, you know. But it goes further than tech. It goes into structure, it goes into hierarchy, it goes into organization. But can I uh, jump in a little bit uh, on behalf maybe of the listeners? But um, you were educating us on the uh, CBDCs. Right. So. Uh, oh yeah, we got side. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Can we go podcast. a little bit back that's about this one? So we're gonna go. Sure. Yeah. So how exactly? If we now explore the faraway future, um, and you see as mere mortals making an attempt on, on dealing with this crypto space, etc., etc., uh, and the mere mortals at the central banks asked by the people they govern or by, you know, the banks to sort of say, like, people ask us, what should we do around crypto? So we've got to come up with an idea. So the, and the Bank of England wrote a review on sort of their thinking. The ECB is busy with that. Can you give us a little bit of a, an update of where we stand is we're trying to jump to that world from I, I, I the mere mortal space? The first point to make is that this has nothing to do with crypto. So digital currencies are not cryptocurrencies. So we agree there. Yeah. We agree. So the question is then, well, well, what are they and what are they for? Yeah. And I would what say... What would be their benefit? I would say a way to think about them is in 
high level, you could probably think about three different kinds of digital currencies. So the idea of some sort of wholesale digital currency, uh, some form of, of, of a digital euro or digital pound that institutions can use on some form of distributed ledger or blockchain to do uh, traditional trading, but with a with a much reduced cost of intermediation. So, Interbank inter dealing, right, whatever right, they are. Exactly, but without 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 the traditional green settlement cycles. Um, is it possible that makes sense or reduces costs? I think it probably is. And a lot of people in that space, and you, you know, space better than I do, a lot of people in that space are very interested in the kind of smart contracts and trading ability to construct these more complex instruments yeah. uh, for the original purpose of distributing risk and managing it. So wholesale digital currency as something that might exist on some blockchain or something. That's got nothing whatsoever to do with retail digital currency. Retail digital currency is a cash replacement. And to replace cash, you need some very different characteristics. I mean, one of the obvious ones, and this is true in the Chinese digital currency, is it has to be able to work offline. If you're going to have something that replaces yeah. cash, it's got to work when there's no mobile network. Or, or, you know, I, I, you've got to be able to move the money device to device, from my phone to your phone, from my hat to your car, from my badge to your watch, and where, without the Bluetooth. To your bracelet. It has to be able to work offline. When the That's Chinese they have that. Exactly have right. those sort of uh, prepared for how, that. How, how, how are they organized? They, like the, the same way we did it 25 years ago with Mondex by using chips. So what they say is, oh. if you have secure hardware, you can do offline transactions. If you don't have secure hardware, you can do online transactions. Perfectly reasonable way of doing it. There's a third case, though, and this is, so if you read the German bank's response to the ECB consultation, what they, and I think this is, the more I think about it, the more I think they're correct, they say, actually, we need another kind of digital currency because we want industrial digital currency. We want digital currency for machines. You know, we, the, you know this is an export-led economy. The productivity is everything. Our economic yep. prosperity depends on more efficient manufacturing and supply chains. They make very heavy investments in the local industry for things, smart supply chains, this kind of thing. And they say, and it was, they want to take credit, levels of credit, cross border out of those transactions so that, you know, so when your machine is making up something, one just, it just orders it itself and pays for it. So, and that couldn't be implemented using a blockchain, it couldn't be implemented. Apart from anything else, they say those things have to be intermittent online because it's a factory environment. Sometimes machines get plugged. So you have three high-level examples there of things that we call a digital currency that are very, they're all claims on central bank reserves and on the credit list, but they will be implemented differently, they'll be used yeah. differently, and they'll have a very different I, li I like what you brought up, the example of Germany versus China, because I think of the, the digital one as, and, and it's clear, I mean, they've said it, the purpose is for anybody anywhere in China to be able to transact. So they are thinking financial inclusion at the retail level, at the yeah. individual level. And what you're saying in, in Germany that is financial inclusion at the small business or the large business level. It's it's you know activity at the business level that that so, so it's a different design. 
And what and role that's... will the central bank play in sort of setting the value of that digital currency <coughs> or the volume or availability or...? Well, I think you see, you see. I mean, the, the Bank of England has been quite forward-looking. Sort of, and in fact, they have been all through this process. They, you know, they were the first people to provide settlement accounts to fintechs. You know, that's how people are wise yep. and so on. And, and what, they, what they're doing is they're implementing what they call omnibus accounts. So in other words, they will allow private non-banks to hold uh, reserves in central bank settlement accounts, partitioned to individual customers. Yeah. And the first big user of that probably would be Finality, which is 16. Well, what they, what they will do is, you know, the, the institutions will, will basically put money in, that money will be deposited in central bank settlement accounts. The institutions will then create these tokens which are claimed in the central bank reserves. Yeah. And they will use those tokens on chain. And the reason for doing that is, for people that are not technical, is because if you're doing on-chain transactions, you can't do off-chain payment settlement. No. Right? So if, if, you're, if you're an Ethereum blockchain with a thousand nodes and, and, and an instruction comes payday 10 pounds, you don't want a thousand messages going from no. payday 10 pounds. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't no. make sense. So they have to have some on-chain tokens which they can use to exchange to make as well. And then at the end of the day, they will deposit those tokens back. Yeah. And, and, and then the companies will release the reserves back to them. In fact, so I, I'm not an expert on this at all, but some people have said to me, actually, they won't actually deposit it. What they'll do is they'll borrow it from commercial banks. So the commercial banks will actually deposit the reserves and the companies will, because the companies don't need to tie their own I don't know that detail, but it seems to me that what you're describing is uh, the necessity of a, of a layer two yeah, uh, yeah. To, to, to deal with uh, uh, making this work for multiple parties. I mean, my skepticism actually is more level one. So the cryptocurrencies that we have now. So, so if DeFi is the way forward, if these level two protocols yeah. that you're talking about and I agree with are the future, then the level one protocols that we have right now are actually not optimal for that. And that's why you see this. But I think they realize that. Solano but but, this, and this, yeah. and but this brings a very interesting question. Despite all the uh, point, uh, despite all the fintech innovations and the improvements, I mean, I was hearing that we have 300-plus uh, rails of payments, so it's, it's as if Absolutely. the market is, is even more fragmented. And now, you know, in the blockchain space, at the layer one, we have more. Are we going to end up with domain-specific protocols? You know, this protocol does this better. Who's going to make the money? Is it the interoperability protocols? It seems to me same stuff as before, <laughs> you know, it was, you know, the API ecosystem that is trying to, to link all these fragmented yeah, things. Well, so, it is interesting, so what we must do, and, and I just heard the gong, you know, they're closing the, the yeah. shop floor, we could be here for hours, and then we will ask you both back on the podcast. Let's promise that. Uh, we'll promise that, and and obviously in a good cappuccino mood, we wandered off the topic and back again, which we absolutely adore, so thank you very much for doing that with us. And I think my last thought to you would be, um, 
fast forward five years, and who will be the main uh, sort of trendsetters and speakers um, at this event? Uh, these days, it's still, as you say, the 500 payment whales and big whales, small whales, a red ocean full of whales. Who do you think will set the scene around well, financial look, services? If, or will it just be live transactions no, that won't be a finance event? If what people are talking about here, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of days about embedded finance and the organisation and stuff like that, to me, it seems quite plausible. So what that means is it's the so so payments become part of the brand experience, not necessarily separate. And if that's true, and there are lots of people who, who, who think that's the way things are done, then actually the difference in five years' time is it would be more about brand, it'd be a lot less about infrastructure and infrastructure and, and so on. It'll okay. It would be about the different kind of brand promises. You know, we, we saw each other uh, at a key conference yes, of ventures, uh, yeah. right? And what they are specialized in is investing in the e-commerce innovation. So I was thinking, you know, if if payments and all this, whatever it is, lending, all the finance stuff becomes invisible, then we'll be talking about FinTech will be about embedded finance, life transactions, commercial businesses and sites and, and, and platforms and, and, yeah. and that's what we'll be talking about. So we will be seeing, you know, that some Amazons, whatever they are, these complex commerce platforms that hopefully have... Okay. What do you think? With Thank that, we much. have to conclude this podcast. And yes, we can talk for hours, which we will do, actually, with a beer, Avi. Uh, I promise you that, too. So, uh, Avi and Dave, thank you very much for joining us at the Finta Cappuccino, uh, live from the Money Pod podcast booth at Money 2020 in Europe. And thank you for listening to Finta Cappuccino. Don't want to miss another cup? Subscribe to our, our own podcast via Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you would like to listen to our podcast. And please give us a like or a review. And, and Ryan, can I share that I like my cappuccino with cinnamon? How about you? <laughs> 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 well, you'll get it any way you like. Any way you like it. Thank you for listening.